From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome Herbs and Spices. It's episode 43 of Free and Inspired Radio. How's your week been? If you're listening to this on the weekend, I hope it's relaxing. If you're listening to this during the week, I hope it's going well. This week on the podcast, we're looking to fulfill a promise that I made uh, quite a few episodes ago about a deep dive or a deeper dive on melatonin. Now, bearing in mind, there are books written about melatonin. I've tried my best to look at how and who it can help and some of the things to keep in mind if you want to try it. And uh, look, I hope you get something out of this episode because I think melatonin is one of those things one of those interventions, if you like, that really does divide people because you know it's risen very sharply. Its use has risen very sharply post-pandemic as it's often polarizing in its effects, in its effects. And some find melatonin gives them exactly what they need while others don't. In an episode earlier this year, as I said, I promised I would dive deeper into this remarkable hormone. And here we are. We're going to look at how melatonin works in the body, how it interacts with other hormones such as cortisol, some things about melatonin you didn't know, i.e. melatonin and its proposed role in IBS, and of course some guidelines on how to take it. So how is melatonin created in the body? One of the first things I offer patients about melatonin is its relationship to the natural rhythms of light over the day. As your eyes notice the change in the light spectrum at sunset, this triggers a message via the optic nerve to the pineal gland in the brain to begin melatonin production. So melatonin production and distribution are enhanced by darkness and diminished by light. So that's easy to think about. It peaks in the middle of the night, often between 2 and 4 a.m., and decreases gradually during the second part of the night. So already this natural ebb and flow can give you clues as to how melatonin can help you to manage sleep disturbances. So if you're finding that you're waking up earlier than my alarm, as many of my patients put it, this can signify that your melatonin levels could benefit from supplementation or you should probably go to bed earlier, but that's obviously not desirable for a lot of people. So a study published in 2020 confirmed that melatonin significantly decreased early wake time in elderly adults using a three milligram dose over four weeks. And if you're new to some of the sleep episodes that I've done on Free and Spy Radio, you may not have uh, come across a really interesting statistic that suggests that 50% of our elderly are actually experiencing some sleep issues or straight out insomnia. 
So the fact that melatonin can help um, our elderly members of our community with their sleep issues is really, you know, it's a big deal. And as you'll find, you, I think melatonin is actually quite a lot more indicated for members of our elderly population because of the wider elements of how it helps. So stay tuned and we'll try and bring that in a little bit more if you're interested. Melatonin's primary function is regulating circadian rhythms, which you may have heard of before including your sleep-wake rhythms and neuroendocrine rhythms or body temperature cycles. So neuroendocrine, the best way to think about that is the connection between the nervous system and your hormones. So for example, growth hormone and these really important messengers in the body that help to elicit kind of many different functions that keep us staying alive and feeling good over the course of our lives. So First, you're probably asking what a circadian rhythm is. So if you're new to a circadian rhythm or what it is, the circadian rhythm is the 24-hour internal clock in our brain that manages alertness and sleepiness based on the light spectrum in our environment. So we've kind of talked about that. The sleep-wake cycle alone influences eating habits, digestion, body temperature, hormone release, and other functions. Due to the wide variety of functions influenced by the sleep-wake cycle, it's easy to see how a lack of sleep or poor sleep patterns can affect what feels like everything. I mean, you know, if you've had poor sleep, you know, just a few days of bad sleep, everything falls apart, right? In contrast, restoring circadian rhythms can positively influence our behavior, mood, memory consolidation, and metabolism. And I often see this in patients. One of the first things that pops up is that their short-term memory starts to be affected. And imagine if you could reverse that by concentrating on your sleep, and maybe melatonin is the key to that. So once again, it's an interesting key for you. One of the deeper, more fascinating parts of uh, melatonin's role beyond sleep is its role as an internal time giver for other organs. So, for example, by helping an organ or system to know what time it is, melatonin influences cortisol and insulin levels in the morning, so we are wide awake and ready to draw energy from our breakfast. Chronobiology or the effects of time on our bodies or light and dark is definitely worth its own article. It's recently led to a Nobel Prize award for researchers, I think last year, investigating its impact on our health. For now though, understanding melatonin's role is helping us to merge, in helping us to merge with our environment is a great start to getting some insights into this remarkable hormone. And already we can kind of see how it's extending beyond sleep. Melatonin can play a significant role in protecting the brain from rust, or as I call it, rust caused by a process called oxidation. Oxidation is a naturally occurring and necessary process in our bodies, but the byproducts it creates can accelerate an aging-like process called oxidative stress. Melatonin is known for its antioxidant action in the brain as a protective mechanism and this protective action also spans out to none other than the digestive system so true to our gut brain connection obsession here on free and inspire radio melatonin in the gut right this is awesome melatonin's effects on receptors in the gut protected from ulceration by reducing hydrochloric acid and the effects of bile acids from the gallbladder on the gut lining This protective quality sees melatonin potentially help in many digestive conditions such as ulcerative colitis and irritable bowel syndrome. One of the bonuses outside of sleep for melatonin is this proposed role in IBS. And as I said, true to our theme here, we're all about bringing the gut and brain together. And this is a great example, right? Melatonin's role in IBS might be a perfect example of this. 
visceral pain and abdominal discomfort are frequent and typical in IBS. And a review published in 2021 suggests that melatonin's anti-inflammatory effects may work on assisting with these symptoms. So I'm just going to say that again. People with IBS often have this strange non-specific or non-localized pain in their gut and it's very uncomfortable and 2021 a review came out saying that melatonin or correcting your sleep may actually be a big part of that because remember melatonin is really coming in and correcting your sleep wake cycles but also its anti-inflammatory effects may help you with these symptoms if you're experiencing it. In my opinion, most one of the more interesting reviews released in 2022 this year explored how circadian rhythms influence the digestive system. So they're really starting to get into this. For example, the same circadian rhythms and melatonin influences regulate digestion and absorption of nutrients. Motility, which is a herb, a herb. motility is a word you'll hear quite a lot on the on the show. The transit of your food through the digestive system, and even the activity of the microbes in your gut. So some of the bacteria in your digestive system have clock genes, so they are also on a twenty four hour rhythm as well, which is super interesting. The review goes on to mention that disruptions in circadian rhythms may be responsible for the origin of functional digestive disorders such as IBS outside of other origin stories such as food poisoning and things like that on the autoimmune element. Melatonin's role in all of this is very exciting. The melatonin concentration in the gut is 400 times higher than the brain's pineal gland, even though the pineal gland's melatonin does go through the systemic circulation and get into where it needs to from the brain the concentration there is still less than what is in the gut furthermore these higher levels are independent of what the brain produces suggesting that melatonin plays a precise role in balancing the digestive system now moving forward that this isn't this isn't just the tip of the iceberg with melatonin as i said there's an amazing book out there i'll try and find the author in the um in the show notes for you but uh, let's have a look at some of the other effects of melatonin as a hormone so melatonin directly enhances components of the immune system or at least this is how it seems in animal studies melatonin enhances nearly all parts of the host or innate immune system and if you're new to that the innate or host immune system is the generalized line of defense between the body and the outside world awesome it does this via increasing T helper immune responses, so think general responses to infection, and reducing nitrous oxide or nitric oxide formation, which in turn helps decrease inflammation. Once again, there you go, anti-inflammatory action for melatonin there. A, a complete flip and, and another random job for melatonin is it may also assist with bone formation. Once again, though, the primary studies here are in animals. So common message on Free and Inspire Radio, don't get too excited by animal studies. But there are some pilot studies in humans. Sometimes, though, this can be a great guide. And uh, one of the animal studies found that melatonin supplementation increased the bone mass of rats and also saw a reduction in bone resorption, which is a process that breaks down bone tissue. So as you might understand with osteoporosis, reducing bone resorption is actually a really key marker there. So some exciting stuff. These significant results have led to some small human studies assessing whether melatonin could help bone health in perimenopausal women. The melatonin group didn't change bone density scores over six months. I'm going to repeat that. 
the melatonin group did not change bone density scores over six months, but there did seem to be a downward trend in bone resorption, suggesting that melatonin could help prevent bone loss, which is a huge part, once again, for our elderly community, right? Another lesser known use of melatonin and its influence is on energy metabolism, body mass. So we actually touched on this earlier, didn't we? So we talked about cortisol and insulin, but um, without being too hyperbolic about it, melatonin may actually contribute to keeping you slim. Gosh, that's a that's a big hook bait thing, isn't it? It's, don't get too excited. Once again, the jury isn't in on this one. Early studies have found that melatonin reduced body weight in animals didn't actually transfer over to human studies. So don't be too disappointed. But positive studies have cropped up in other research where weight gain was a simultaneous part of a mental health condition or peri- or menopause. So you know, stay tuned. I mean, look, there was one systematic review that pulled studies together to draw broader conclusions that found potential in using five to eight milligrams of melatonin for six to 12 months. And that dose over that period of time was associated with a decreased BMI. This dose is something that I wouldn't go out and do straight away. I would probably speak to someone about doing that because look, yeah, there's other reasons why you want to take care of throwing hormones into your body. It does speak to the span of melatonin's action in the body though. And this is what we're trying to look at in the episode is trying to look at melatonin beyond sleep because I, I really want people to understand that the brain and mental health and sleep, it, it's so connected and it, everything is connected to that. And you know, hopefully we're seeing melatonin's action kind of really uh, highlight this. So while the jury is out on melatonin and weight loss, another metabolic condition has some important preclinical research. And this actually was a little new to me, just exactly how far this research had gone. And once again, if you are a regular listener to the show, you would know how frequently non-alcoholic fatty liver disease uh, pops up uh, in numerous clinical landscapes. I mentioned it in different ways on, on the show. But notably, predictions see China experiencing the most significant increase in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in the coming years, making this more of a global disease than once was considered a Western one. With non-alcoholic fatty liver disease being a precursor to diabetes, more and more people are encountering this illness as part of their annual blood checks. It seems melatonin affects all of the key markers of fatty liver over 12 weeks, along with some other effective natural medicine interventions. So just a bit of a surprise on that one for me. And um, as I said, the, the research is really strong. So a randomized controlled double blind clinical trial. So that's a pretty strong standard of trial found that six milligrams of melatonin significantly, significantly improve many markers associated with fatty liver. So for example, liver enzymes, highly sensitive C-reactive protein, key marker for the cardiovascular system, blood pressure, and the grade of fatty liver itself all changed for the better with melatonin and that's just remarkable isn't it it'd be very interesting to see if they can recreate this study do it with a whole lot more people and make it more clinically relevant because we might may find that once again if we can find out whether or not it's the sleep wake cycles improving these things what is it like the circadian rhythms contribution to it it'll be super interesting Let's be honest though, most of the time when you hear melatonin, you're probably interested in how to use melatonin for your sleep. And after the break, we're going to get into that. So stay tuned on Free and Inspire Radio and we'll be back with more on melatonin real soon. 
time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. It's episode 43 of Free and Inspired Radio. Thanks for hanging out. In this episode, we're looking at the internal time giver of the body, melatonin. We've already touched on some of the broader effects of its action in the body, but let's talk about melatonin and sleep. It's very important. It works for a lot of people. It's used a lot in clinic. Um, both natural and modern medicine have a thing for melatonin, and it's kind of starting to see why, right? We've we've in- introduced melatonin's effect on the immune system, its proposed role in IBS, but how about helping you sleep? So a systematic review released at the beginning of this year, or 2022, depending on when you're listening to this, brought together 23 randomized controlled trials looking at sleep quality and various diseases. So melatonin has a positive effect on sleep issues associated with respiratory diseases, metabolic disorders, and primary sleep issues, but, a big but, but not on sleep problems brought on by mental health conditions. So this is super interesting, right? Because this is the difference in action, if you like, goes a long way to maybe explain why melatonin may work for some, but not for others. So how would a respiratory disease or a metabolic disorder give you bad sleep? Well, sleep apnea is a big one, affects a lot of people, and that's primarily or believed to be partly metabolic in nature. Uh, Having trouble breathing, right? will give you some sleep issues as well. So interestingly, when it comes to mental health conditions, increased melatonin levels were seen in the blood and urine of people who had successful treatments following the administration of antidepressants. This change in melatonin somewhat makes sense considering that melatonin is derived from serotonin in saying that though there was an interesting hypothesis proposed in the 80s called low melatonin syndrome and its relationship to depression, didn't get much traction but it's interesting just to bring together melatonin as to whether or not it plays a different role in mental health conditions aside from sleep which would be more of an anti-inflammatory or antioxidant effect on the brain and with neuroinflammation becoming a big deal or a bigger deal um, over the years it'll be interesting to see whether or not that our view of melatonin and, and mental health conditions extends beyond sleep Other studies back up melatonin's use in sleep with a little bit more detail about its effects on poor sleep specifically. For example, a meta-analysis published in 2013 brought together 19 studies for a total of 1,683 subjects and found numerous effects. So a little bit contradictory. Uh, These positive effects including reducing the time it took to get to sleep and increasing sleep duration. So that increasing sleep duration talks about what we touched on earlier, which is stopping people from waking too early, right? So people are waking before their alarm. So we've seen this in a study that it's going to increase sleep duration. This study did mention that melatonin in comparison to other sleep interventions when compared compared to placebo did have a lower absolute benefit, but was still appropriate because of its low side effect profile. I'll take that a little further, even considering that the absolute sleep benefit is lower 
Hopefully after getting this far in the episode, you'll agree that melatonin's broader effects on the body outside of sleep, especially in the metabolic and immune landscapes, are significant bonuses to its sleep influence. Now, I'm going to just do a short bridge here in the sense that from if I can offer you a clinical perspective, so what I see from my chair is that a lot of people who come and see me for sleep aren't just dealing with sleep on its own. There are other metabolic issues. There are the other potentially immune issues. There are other things going on. So this is where, sure, melatonin may not be in the research as good, absolutely, as you know other herbal medicines, for example. And you can check out that her- the episode I did on herbal medicine and some supplemental stuff for sleep. Uh, I think two episodes, three or three episodes ago, episode forty. I think. Check it out. You've got eyes. Use them. Um, and as I said, so look, melatonin may really become a broader um, assistance, and we'll we'll really find that out. I wanted to add this in before the end of the episode. There's a special note here on using melatonin, especially for children and teenagers. Uh, sleep patterns, especially in Hong Kong, have changed with children and teenagers. And I'm sure across the world, you know, kids and, and teenagers going through different phases of lockdown and isolated education. Unfortunately, the research is really kind of showing that it's had a huge effect on our young people. And according to a report from RTHK in Hong Kong, students who went to bed later primarily down to less optimal levels of physical exercise and activity had lower levels of melatonin. So this can obviously prompt people to think that melatonin supplementation is the first point of call. It makes logical sense, right, to give to your children. But there are quite a large amount of uh, pediatric and, and people, you know, kids getting poisoned by melatonin, just taking too much. So don't rush to give melatonin unless you've tried, um, you know, uh, you know, some herbal medicine, for example. I, I generally feel like lower doses of melatonin below three milligrams are important. Um, this is where I would just seek out some help to try and work out what's best. I think that children I've seen who have had trouble sleeping often respond better to high levels of physical activity for for sleep or herbal medicine before thinking about melatonin so that's just a small note there for um, some of our parents who just want to get some sleep because their kids aren't sleeping so what do you think in a world where it seems as if it's hard to get a straight answer i'm hoping episodes like this help to demystify when things like melatonin might help and where in the case of mental health sleep issues it doesn't and it's fair to say, though, that in a world dominated by bright light from our screens, melatonin may have a more significant role to play beyond our sleep that will be exciting to follow. Before we finish this free and inspired radio episode, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcast episodes, and everything else, we've got two ebooks in the works, two more ebooks in the works um, coming out hopefully at the beginning of 2023. So, hot off the press for those who you listen to the end of the show you get all of the good news you can get the current ebook psychobiotics or probiotics in the brain by signing up to the um, newsletter on the homepage of philipwatkins.health your reviews on apple Podcasts and spotify help me get the word out on the street if you're listening to this on youtube throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded on youtube as always comments if you want to throw questions please do 
I'm happy to do what I can. I want to send shouts to the show listeners who always get this far as usual. The show is about helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired. Again, I hope this episode gets you one step closer to not spending your day thinking about your health, free and inspired, right? Until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll be back with more Free and Inspired Radio next week. Have a good one. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.